Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, welcome. Welcome and a welcome again to the Triple Threat Podcast. I am DJ Shockley and my man Scotty D is alongside with me today. Appreciate you joining us here on the Triple Threat Podcast. We got a really, really good guest today joining us here on the Triple Threat Podcast. My man, Big Play Ray Buchanan is going to stop through and holler at us for a little bit. And I'm going to pick his brain a little bit, Scotty D, about a couple things, man. But first off, how you doing, bro? What's new with you this week? What's popping? What's up, DJ? How are you, man? We man. are uh, getting ready. We're down to two games. We got one football game left this year, DJ. Man, it's crazy. so sad. I mean, you know what? That's interesting you bring that up. Because I was thinking just the other day, I was like, I didn't even think we was going to have a season this year. Now mm-hmm. we're down to the last football game of the season, which is the biggest of them all, which mm-hmm. is obviously the Super Bowl coming up here next week, uh, next weekend with the Kansas City Chiefs taking on Tom Brady at his freaking 10th time going to the Super Bowl. Insane. That's unbelievable, man. Unfreaking believable that that's happening. First off, we didn't get a chance to talk about it, so we're going to talk about it. What did you think of the conference championship games? Um, they were fun. Um, they were I, – I was – I was – I, I could, couldn't believe that Tom Brady kept making those mistakes. And the Packers couldn't capitalize and get that lead. Three now, granted, yeah. now granted, they got in a hole early, but they, I, I just figure anytime you're going to tell me any quarterback, Tom Brady or anybody, going to throw three picks, it's it's lights out, I would think. But no doubt, so that was no a doubt. good that was a good game. And the uh, Chiefs Bills, man, that was fun. It, it it was I I feel like it was a little closer in the score set, but the I, I think the every every pretty much most people thought that that, that outcome was going to happen the chiefs are just a little bit above the bills and they it looks like they're 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 round you know they're coming in at the right time they're they're, they're peaking at the right time i think man and that's kind of similar to what happened to them last year they peaked in the playoffs they were yeah. down in most of their playoff games they end up coming back and winning uh Patrick Mahomes being himself making plays all over the field but they got so many weapons man it's hard to yeah. stop that team i mean you know, we, we ain't going to dive too much into it because obviously we'll talk about it more next week. But the way that they can get people open, the way they create explosive plays, they're out there underhand throwing the football for <laughs> touchdowns to Travis Kelsey mm-hmm. on that little shovel pass every single week, and it's working. This is going to be a fun game. But Tom Brady, Tim Super Bowl, I'll be honest. I thought this was going to be Green Bay, no doubt about it. Yeah, Tampa had yeah. been playing well, but I was like – that man Aaron Rodgers is playing at a new level. Now he got a chance to take out Brady. And I was like, oh, Tampa will be back next year, you know, once they find mm-hmm. a group. But Tampa's in the freaking Super Bowl. Think about it. Last year, where they were. They yeah. haven't been in the playoffs in the last 13 years. And now Tom Brady comes in his first year and takes him to the Super Bowl. Come on, man. You can't even write this if you're Tom Brady. It just tells you how good a competent quarterback is. And I, I'm, no I, I'm not trying to bash on Jameis Winston too much, but he's a Seminole and I like the Gators. But no, it's, it's easy. Look at the difference. But because he had tools. Him? Yeah, he had tools. They had they had Godwin and, and Evans, who are two of the, they, they might be the best one two punch in the game. Um, yeah. I, you know, obviously being here in Atlanta, we got Julio and Ridley, but Julio sometimes struggles to stay on the field. Right. Um, but I, I think as far as physical and, and, they're they're two of the best receivers in the league. So he, I mean, he walked into that. He never had a he never had a combo of receivers like that ever. True. He had True. Randy Moss for two or three years. Besides that, it was a bunch of bunch of little guys that that Brady just willed the ball to him. So you know, I I, I really like Ronald Jones, the running back, and um, picking up Fournette. Fournette man, yeah. I mean, early on, I I thought nah, that's that's just they're just taking a flyer on him, but that's worked right. out. That's a nice one two punch as well. So it, it's. They're legit for sure, um, but uh, we'll see. We'll see if they can do it. But man, Tom Brady, ten Super Bowls in what twenty years? Nine, twenty-one years? That's insane. Let me ask you a question about the other side of that game. Unbelievable. Aaron Rodgers is one in three in NFC Championship games. We one in four. One in four. Okay, he's yeah. one in three going in. Yeah. What? You know who else has one NFC championship win? Who? Matt Ryan. 
Jared Goff. Uh, who else? There's, there's others. Um, I hadn't thought about this too much, but it. But you've been there as many times as Rogers is. You expect him? Yeah. Been more than that. What, what's your, what's your take on that? Uh, I think it's gonna be something that's talked about because is, is the shine come off a little bit when you start thinking about that? Uh, I think it's only brought up if if somebody talks about it. Because at the end of the day, people are going to think about how good Aaron Rodgers has been over his career. Mm-hmm. And the fact that this season, he didn't get what he wanted. Uh, they drafted a guy that going to replace him. And he just goes out and I think we all can agree he's going to be the MVP. Um, but the fact that he's one and four in those championship games, it tells you something. Now, in this ball game, he had opportunities. You mentioned it. He had a bunch of opportunities when Brady throws three interceptions, and I think you only get six points off of it. Like, mm-hmm. you got to capitalize on that. Um, obviously, all the talk this past week was about Malaflor not going forward on, you know, fourth and goal from seven to eight-yard line, and you got Aaron Rodgers, and you kick the field goal. I know that's a big part of the conversation yeah. as well. Get that dude a chance. Get 12 a chance. I, I feel that. I'm with him. Uh, but obviously going one and four in those championship games, that's going to be something that's talked about. That's going to be something that's looked at unless he goes out and wins another Super Bowl that people won't, won't remember it, but he's been there. He's had chances and he's 37 years old now. I mean, so we'll see how, how long he can, he can last. So I, I, I figured it out when I went on Sunday, I tweeted that Tom Brady has won as many NFC championship games as Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, and Jared Goff. That's that's like who's winning all the who's who's winning all these NFC championship games? Who's who you know, Colin Kaepernick's yeah. Colin Kaepernick's got one. Yeah. Uh, you know, um it's been it's been it's been moved around a little bit. I mean and, they, and, and and all those guys, they didn't have to face I mean they're they're well, younger, but they didn't have to face Tom Brady or Peyton Manning in any of those games. Yeah, yeah. Drew Brees, yeah, Saints can't even get to the NFC Championship game. Well, they 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 they've gotten there. They gotten there the two previous remember, and, and had you know the stuff happened with the Vikings and. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. They, they get there, I mean, but they but they lose. Yeah. So, yeah. Drew Brees has had, a bad. And then they had the thing happen a year before with the Rams, where the bad call on oh, the yeah. pass interference. So, those are two years where you know they should have won the ball game. You know, shoulda coulda. Yeah. Well, that's it's 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 interesting. I just wonder. That's, you know, the shine. I, you know, go to, to um, Matt LaFleur's Matt uh, call to, to kick the field goal. I have a hard time. I can see how a lot of people don't are going to give him a hard time on that. But yeah. it, it's what if it works out? What if they do get a stop? The Bucks hadn't just run up and down the field in the second half. They, they, they scored most of their points in the first half. I mean, what if it works out? That's that's that's. I don't like I don't like those those kind of discussions about a call. I don't think it was a stupid call. Yeah, I think it was. If I if I give it a, a percentage, I don't I don't think it's a 50-50 decision. I think it's a seventy percent. You go for it, thirty percent. You kick a field goal if that makes sense. Well, here, here's my thinking on it: If yeah. you go for it mm-hmm. and you don't get it, mm-hmm. they have the ball on the eight yard line, and you still have the same timeouts yeah. you still have the two minute there i mean you still have all that stuff mm-hmm. and they're backed up even more so now if you do get a stop then guess what you may have you know you get the ball on your you know plus 40 or whatever it is and you got a chance to go down and score so i think you can play devil's advocate on both sides for sure yeah and obviously hindsight's 2020 and uh i know he's sticking to his guns about what happened but the last thing like yeah the last thing i'll say briefly was the play before that how does a player like Aaron Rodgers not see a wide open field in front of him and he throws back into double coverage, yeah. like bad double coverage that yeah. uh, he threw it to, was it taunt? Was it, no, it was Adams. I think he threw it to a guy that was standing still on the goal line. One defender was standing next to him already. And another when one was closing on him. Yeah. yeah when he yeah. could have ran that, that's, yeah. that is a, to me, that's a bigger failure than, than the play call on the next play was. But if you go back and watch it though, Rodgers is not even looking. He's looking back to his left. Yeah. He's never even looking out to his right. Like, I know Rodgers is a really good player, but I think at that point he was locked in mm-hmm. on Devontae Adams trying that's to get him in football. So, and, I, and I want my quarterback to think throw first, no question. Yeah. But uh, I, that's fair, and I'll take your word for that as the quarterback here in the room. 
So I think, man, uh, I think interesting ball game. We'll we'll dive into it more next week mm-hmm. and uh, get into the Super Bowl and see who's going to win that ball game and you know get some pros and cons to that ball game. Uh, some other news around college football: Tennessee hires their new head coach and Josh Heupel, who comes from Central Florida, and Bill Martin, their uh, newly appointed athletic director, came from UCF. So mm-hmm. hey, there's the ties you have with that uh, Northwestern. Pat Fitzgerald gets a 10-year deal through the 2031 season. Uh, now, uh, he was the winningest coach in team history at 106 and 81 in 15 seasons. He was a Big Ten coach of the year this year. I think everybody remembers Northwestern in that game versus Ohio State. Uh, played him really tough. So, Northwestern gets their coach for a long time. Uh, Scotty, what do you think about Josh Heupel and his Tennessee hire? Um. I, I don't know who they were gonna, else they would get to get that take that job. <laughs> yeah, I mean it. It's 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 a hot, 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 steamy mess in Knoxville. No. Um, and I, I have a lot of a lot of friends at Tennessee, you know, that are Tennessee fans, and we we've had a few decades going back and forth, and and we have a good time, you know, giving it giving it to each other, but. Man, it, it is it is just just steamy garbage up there. Yeah. Just the whole yeah. situation. I like Danny White. I'm not a I'm not a an athletic director expert or anything like that. But he I don't know if you know who people know who his family is. But his, his first of all, his brother is the head basketball coach at Florida. Mm. His sister, I think, is is um, she's in administration uh, somewhere. And his dad is the AD at Duke. And he oh. was at he was at West Virginia before. So okay. the, he's got, he's got um, athletic director genes for sure. Yeah. Um, so I, I think if, if there's a, if there's a right person to be there, he can't be far from it. Um, uh, I don't know. I'll tell you this, Josh Heupel, UCF has gone, has dipped a little bit since uh, Scott Frost left. Mm-hmm. Now, part of that, my belief is that a, a school like UCF isn't going to maintain a top 10 type program it's just it's just not viable i don't believe but um but that that's got to be looked at but like i said man who 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 is desirable that wanted it yeah i i think it was a safe hire i think it's a hire that for one i think tennessee needed an offensive-minded coach i think they needed a coach that knows the quarterback position which josh hyper knows really well coach you know a guy like sam bradford who went number one overall but also uh last couple years uh the quarterbacks have played really well. Yeah, they haven't lived up to the hype of what they were, you know, four or five years ago, like you mentioned with Scott Frost. But I had a chance to call their game, their bowl game mm-hmm. uh, versus BYU. And obviously they didn't put out a good showing. They lost their ball game and BYU uh, pretty crushed them in that ball game. But Dylan Gabriel, their quarterback, as a sophomore the last two years, has thrown for over 3,000 yards. Uh, he was only the third guy to do that behind like Dante Culpepper, and yeah. uh, Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles, uh, right. One of two guys. So uh, he's got the quarterback playing at a high level. Uh, they rush for over 200 yards of ball game. So there's balance in this. There's a guy who's going to come in who's going to make sure the offense runs the right way, and that's what you got to be to have in the SEC is a, a pretty good offense. And I think it all starts, like we mentioned earlier, with the QB, how mm-hmm. much the QB means. And is Harrison Bailey the kid for him? Uh, maybe, possibly, but – I hey, know hype was going to recruit that position. Let me ask you this. Um, and I need your clarification on this. You'll know better than me. Can anybody transfer right now? Or is oh, that yeah. over? Can, can, can somebody, can you transfer without sitting a year right now? Oh, no, it depends. I mean, okay. obviously if you go into the portal, you know, you got to have, you know, the waiver and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it depends on where you're going to, you're not going, you're staying outside the conference then, uh, yeah, you can play right away, but if you're trying to move inside a conference, that's a big deal. You, you, you got to wait. Well, I know the folks in Tennessee are, are happy about Harrison Bay or they're excited about Harrison Bailey. I don't know what he's going to have around him now with everybody leaving, but, or if he even stays, but what do you think about what if, what if Josh Heupel got the, the Gabriel from, um, UCF to transfer? That would be intriguing. Cause that he said be he, this was just his sophomore year. You're selling. Yeah. He, he just said? his sophomore year. I mean, that would be intriguing if he was able to get him. Cause you got a guy who knows the system. He can obviously get the guys around the plan better, but a lot of it goes to, can you have spring? I mean, you need an off season, especially with a new coach, everything yeah. going on with that program. Yeah. 
you got to find a way to get some continuity around it before the season comes around. Now, it's going to be tough sledding for a couple of years. And until he gets the style of players he wants in there, uh, Tennessee's still going to be one of the bottom-tier teams in the SEC East for sure going forward. So uh, we'll see how much hype can get going, how much he can do uh, going on. All right, stay tuned. Uh, in about five, ten minutes, we got my man Ray Buchanan coming on. going to talk a lot about his Falcon days, get drafted to the Colts, playing for Louisville, how he got the name Big Play Ray. All that's coming up in a minute. Uh, before we get to him, uh, obviously a lot of the other big news around the National Football League with some of the quarterbacks who are thinking about possibly moving on. Uh, obviously, Matt Stafford is a guy who him and the organization decided to mutually part ways. So Matthew Stafford will have a new home. Uh, Deshaun Watson is another guy who is unhappy. Cam Noon, does he stay in New England is another big story. Uh, but I think the biggest one of all is Deshaun Watson. Do you think Deshaun Watson moves on? Because he said, regardless of who they hire, his feelings haven't changed about not wanting to be in Houston. Do you think he moves on when his 2021 season starts for the Houston Texans? I don't know. It's not his saying it like that. He can't just decide to move on. It's, it's you know, the Texans got to get something for him. They got to yeah. get they got to get something worth what they feel that that he's worth. Right. Now, I think sometimes the relationships have soured to a point to where you, you it's probably better that they just move on. If I had to if I had to guess, I think he's still in Houston. Mm. That's just because I, I just because I don't think that I don't think that I think people get. other teams are going to know they got Houston up against it. Um, that they have leverage because that because Deshaun wants out so bad. So you're saying they're going to run the check up on him, huh? I don't, I don't, I don't know. How, name another time. Well, Jalen Ramsey did it two years ago, didn't he? Yeah. Where he kind of, he kind of just. Forced yeah, his way out. I mean, yeah, forced way. I was, I was going to say that I didn't think that happened too much in the NFL. I know it happens in, in the NBA a lot, but um, so I don't know, man. It'll be interesting to see. franchise guy is not willing to cooperate. Like, yeah. Just think about it. What if, you know, he says, I don't want to come and doesn't show up. And now you waste all this time in offseason, training camps, That's OTAs, true. mini camp, and you don't have your guy there. And think about it, you're going to have a new system. You have a yeah. new head coach. Like, all that stuff. You need all that time on task, and you don't have your quarterback there. That's going to set you back even more. You know what I mean? So, Can I change my answer? <laughs> <laughs> because that is something that does happen in the NFL a lot is holding out. And and, yeah. and and I think in the NFL it's warranted because there's because of guaranteed contracts. And in every other league, contracts are guaranteed, but in the NFL they're not. So I don't have a problem with hold people holding out when they're in the NFL. So yeah, I may, maybe it will happen, man. I, it's gonna be. Where's he going? Where's he gonna go though? Who? who I mean, who? I, I think the top two are, are, are obviously Miami and uh, the Jets. He already said he wants to play for Salah. He asked for them to. That's crazy. Uh, I don't. First of all, who wants to go to the Jets, and why is he why is he so hyped about playing for a defensive guy? You know what I mean? Well, I, I think he just likes the style in which Salah coaches. I think he's he's probably talked to a bunch of guys who's played for right. Salah and San Fran, and gotcha. I'm sure obviously he's going to bring in an offensive guy that helps him. And then Miami, uh, they got all the people around them. They got defensive guys. They got you know weapons mm -hmm. on the outside. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Deshaun Watson, Stafford. Uh, a lot of people are saying, you know, he, he'd be good for Denver. He'd be good for uh, Indianapolis. I mm -hmm. mean, there, there are a couple teams that uh, I think he would fit and have a chance to finally make the playoffs and have a chance to win some ball games. Uh, so there are a lot of things that are up in the air for some, uh, I want to say, franchise guys around the National Football League, Scotty Day. Yeah. All right. All right, man. My man Ray Buchanan will jump into the Triple Threat Pod. Coming up next, Big Play Ray joins the show. Welcome back to the Triple Threat Podcast. And I talked about it, I don't know how many times. I got my main man, my dude. Ray Bue, hold on, let me, let me take it again. My man, <laughs> big time, big play Ray Buchanan on Jordan Triple Threat Pod. Hey, Ray Bue, what's up, bro? D-Sheezy, what's up with you, big dog? <laughs> hey, man, what's first up, off, 
Hey, man, appreciate you taking the time, man. I know you got a lot going on, uh, but I appreciate you taking the time to holler at people because I know they would love to hear from Big Play Ray, the Chi-Town native. Uh, talk a little bit about, uh, obviously, he had a lot of thing going in. His career was a pretty good player at his time. Uh, and I learned a lot, man. I learned a lot when I did my little research. I thought I knew you, but man, so much more than that we got to talk about. Before we even get into uh, the NFL and all the stuff you did there, uh, just talking about growing up in Chi-Town, what it was like, uh, what you learned, you know, your upbringings, all that kind of stuff, and uh, how Chi-Town made you to who you are today. It's funny, man, talking about the shy. You know, sometimes it's not where you're from, it's where you're at. And down here in Atlanta now, I can't get away from the Southern hospitality. <laughs> but, but one thing about Chicago shock I don't miss is that cold weather, dog. Oh, man, I already know. <laughs> it's freezing know. down there. But growing up there, man, that's where it pretty much all started, man. i never forget uh, driving home from Florida. My parents used to take us, uh, you know, to a trip to Orlando every year. And yeah. my first ride home, I mean, from playing ball in the streets to where we just playing sandlot ball shock and where it was like literally potholes in the grass, you know, oh. out of bounds dog was Capri's and Buick's. That was out of, that's when you knew he was out. Of, <laughs> so, you hit the car, you so, out of bounds. Yeah. You out of bounds, man. <laughs> you know, so it was it was funny, man, playing sandlot football and uh playing dodgeball and learning juke moves from there and just learning from the streets. But yeah. we, on the way home from Florida, bro, it was like my older brother. You know, uh, we was on our way home. He was talking about playing organized football. Now, he was a dog. Now, he was a beast. He actually yeah. played uh, five years in the league himself at wide receiver. Uh, right. named Richard Buchanan out of Northwestern. But to make a long story short, coming home, and he was talking, he jumped out the car. And he was like, I'm, uh, I'm going to play ball. I'm like, what kind of ball? I'm, I'm, you usually take me with you, big bro. He right. was like, no, you're not ready for this. So he took <laughs> off and, and headed straight to the thing. I was right behind him. My mom was like, don't leave, don't leave my son, boy, talking about my <laughs> oldest brother. <laughs> and so I ended up following him out there to, on, the, on the field, dog. And I was like, man, these dudes out here wearing helmets and it's a lot of real cracking going on. I don't know nothing about all this. Yeah. And I was an offensive guy. So eventually they, they went on ahead and took me in, you know, at my grade level. And I think that was the first time that I ever felt pain, like that mm. type of pain before. Because it's one thing playing sideline, uh, I mean, a sandlot football and having viewers and Capri's. Yeah, but but when you out there and you start they breaking you off and you first get hit by that helmet and shoulder pass for the first time, I yeah. was like, you know what? This might be the wrong sport for me, dog. How, how, been, old, <laughs> was how old were you then? I started, man, when I was eight years old. Yeah, man, eight, I, eight years old. I don't know. Uh, so a lot of people will watch this on YouTube. A lot of people will listen to it just uh, audio wise, but I don't know if if, if people watching. If they can see Ray Boot, my dude Ray Boot like he been in the gym. I see traps jumping out of here. Well, he looked like he been, you know, just came off the bench press. I mean, Ray Boot, what's up, man? I mean, you you, you trying to get back into playing shape? What's going on? Or is just, oh, this just golf shape? What, what, what's this? <laughs> it's a little bit of golf shape. Got to continue my stretching and Pilates. But just, you know, I got I got four kids, man. I got, yeah. I got, and I got, and, and, and three of my boys, man. And the funny part is, just in case one of them try me, I might have mm -hmm. to go ahead and, and lay these ladies' guns on them, yeah, uh, them and let them know how let them know how real it is. So I try no to doubt. stay in shape, no shock. No I hear doubt. you, man. I hear you, man. That's good to hear, man. I'm glad to hear you're healthy. How, how, how's the family doing? Everybody doing well during this crazy pandemic time? Yeah, you know it's been crazy. It's been a crazy adjustment for for everybody, man. Believe it or not, uh, all my family's doing well. My kids are doing well. My oldest nice. daughter down, you know, she's uh, just got. Uh, well, she's been married now for about two years and then had her first child. And um, Ray Jr., who was a baller, got released from the Falcons, you know, several years ago. He's down mm -hmm. in Minnesota working for a uh, heart medical device company. He has mm -hmm. three kids and called okay. one of the babies a COVID baby. I was like, you know what? It's a COVID <laughs> baby going. <laughs> so, and so then Jr., uh, I mean, in Baylor, you know, he just finished transfer from Tennessee over to La Tech. So he got a one and done business trip. Yeah. And then my youngest boy, who I'm about to take to practice here shortly, he's at North Gwinnett. So. I'm uh, they keeping me busy, bro. They keep Man, me busy. that's crazy. You know, I, I just realized like two of Atlanta's favorite stars and you and Jesse both had sons that played at the same exact team that you played for. So that's pretty cool to have that, be able to go back and watch it come around full, uh, full fold for you. But Man, let's let, let's go back into high school and when you think about making a decision to go to old Louisville. I'm not gonna say Louisville because I know people go crazy. So <laughs> Uh, what went into the decision of going to Louisville uh, out of high school? 
No, it's funny. Uh, I was a track guy coming out of high school. Uh, I had about 35 track offers, man. A lot of people don't know that I almost took a track scholarship before I actually decided to play uh, football. But okay. a guy by the name of Howard Snellenberger, man, came to my house. And I come from a military family, uh, you know. So uh, my dad really sat down with Howard Snellenberger at that time, and they really hit it off. And it was sort of my decision, but my, you know, it was one of those things that my dad was really a big intricate part in helping me make my decision to what school I was going to go to. So I had a lot of Big Ten, I had just about every Big Ten school that was there. And then here was Louisville, who was just right up the street. And it's kind of funny how that actually worked out. But uh, I ended up making that decision to go there because they was going to allow me to run track and play football. Uh, so that's how I ended up, you know, uh, selecting the University of Louisville at that particular time. But you got to remember, when I went to Louisville then, it was some dogs that was actually playing, but Howard Snellenberger was grabbing a lot of guys from Florida. Yeah. And the whole team was probably about 80% Florida. Then right. other than that, maybe 2% Midwest and a couple kids from here and there and coming from Kentucky. But uh, we ended up putting Louisville on the map. Uh, and just to talk about how it actually started, though, DJ Shock, how my career sort of like boosted. Uh -huh. uh, I was moved from corner to free safety. A lot of people don't know I played safety throughout my whole college. Well, a lot career. of people don't remember you. You started at receiver though. Started at receiver. They went to DB. Like I don't think That's a lot facts. of people know that either. Facts, shock. That's facts. Uh, because uh, you know it's funny when I first got there, I didn't want to move uh, to the defensive side of the ball. They lied to me, shock, and I was ready to go home. <laughs> they, they, they they told you was going to come there and play receiver, and then they, they got there. They said, guess what? Your money gonna be made on the other side. They flipped it on me, Shock. I was <laughs> like, man, I was like halfway home before my dad, you know, I called him up. By that time, you know. <laughs> you had left, no, bro, you left? <laughs> I left, you out. And there wasn't no cell phones back then, so I had to pull over to the corner <laughs> and that pay phone. They're like, dad, they lied, dad. They, <laughs> they told me to. I was gonna do this, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and what happened was, Shock, my dad said, you know what, you can come home, man, and work in this warehouse while I'm working, or work at this McDonald's, or you can go back and get your education, finish out, don't quit, because Buchanan's don't give up. So yeah. it was funny. I ended up turning around and I faced the facts that, you know, I was going to try my best to, you know, to make this transition. I ain't never backpedaled in my life. I ain't know nothing about backpedaling, cover nobody, man. And wow. they turned around and they saw something in me. And um, literally, I took it on head on as a big challenge. You know, that's for those of those guys that's out there that get flipped around all the time and get lied yeah. to once they get to college. And they, <laughs> sometimes these coaches know what they're talking about. And, you yeah, know, you know what? That's, that's, the, that's the thing I want to ask you about because. You think about the day, I mean, you you going through with your kids. I mean, their their kids in high school are gonna be listening to this and you know, they tell them, hey, you're gonna go to college, you can play this, and then it doesn't work out the way you want it to be, whether it's either you go on there and say you think you're gonna start and you don't start, but you go there and you have to change position. What did you have to do mentally to get into that mindset of okay, well, I'm not doing what I thought I was gonna do, but now I'm doing something else. How did you overcome that obstacle in your life to say, all right, I'm gonna make the best of this and, and get better? You know what? I think it was it was that drive inside of me that wanted to compete and wanted to be the best anyway. I took it on as a challenge instead of making so much of a, a, an excuse to try to be the best. So what I did was I started watching the guys in front of me that were pretty good at it. I mean, mm -hmm. it was some guys that was moving their feet that was pretty good. Not only that, you know, it was a, it's one thing about putting the right things into your body at that particular time and then making the transition from the skill set. Right. But it, then it was the IQ part of the shock. I mean, the yeah. study and preparation for it, you know, literally I took it to a whole different level. Not mm -hmm. only did I just study these guys and what I was actually seeing, I was actually looking at tape. I was like, all right, if I want to play this position, let me go and find some of the greatest players that ever played the position and start looking at tape. I had pulled right. that coach over to the side, my defensive back coach. I said, all right, if I'm going to do this, how can I do it? And he started pulling out tape. You know, nice. I start watching how prime time, I'm talking about in pros, Amelius yeah. Williams, Dale Greens, Rod right. Woodson. I mean, yeah. all these NFL greats and he was putting it on. I was like, wow, I want to do that. How can I do it? So I started grinding, putting put my, my teeth down. And then not only that, you know, I, I played offense and, they, and then I wanted to learn how to hit and tackle. By that time, you know, back in the day, it was like blowing snot bubbles. So I did learn how to lower my helmet and probably would have <laughs> I would have been out of the game so many different times uh, for the way uh, to play, but shock. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You, you've been shot. finding all kind of stuff. <laughs> Man, you know what's crazy? You, you, you talk about moving from receiver to defensive back, never having backpedaled in your career to your sophomore year, you had three picks. And then in 91, y'all go play Alabama in the Fiesta Bowl and you the defensive MVP. I mean, you go from a guy who wasn't really what you thought it was going to be 
and then yeah. you become the MVP of the uh, Alabama game where you guys whooped them 34 to seven. Uh, you ended, yeah. you know, with 108 tackles and eight interceptions, Ray. But I couldn't believe that when I saw it, I said, my dude was balling. Talk about yeah. how you made that transition. And then once you finally made that transition to how you became big play Ray, because that, that, that yeah. came along in college, right? I mean, how did that, yeah. how did that big play Ray name come, come about? <laughs> Well, I tell you what, man. I was, I was, you know, one. I already talked about the skill set, but uh, I did play offense, and I used to hate when they say, you know, they move uh, bad wide receivers with no hands to defensive back. Yeah, they used to yeah. say that all the yeah. time. Yeah. And so I knew I had the skill set to actually do it. I mean, I took it on as a challenge, and I was always around the football, so I always right. started to make plays. And when I, I was one of those guys when they started to come up with that name, big play in college. It was crazy. I was one of those guys that wanted to make a, a tackle look good right afterwards. Mm. I wanted to make an uh, interception or a pass breakup look good. I played with so much energy. I right. wanted to be on the offensive side of the ball. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. Howard Snellenberger told me when he recruited me, he said, you wanted the damn ball so bad, son, to play on the offensive side of the ball. If you from Chicago like you say you are, why don't you get out there and steal the ball? I was like, mm. what? Steal the ball? Mm. What you talking about? He said, do a thing then. He said, you, you yeah. from, he, and he talked to me just like that. He said, you from the hood, you know what it's like. Don't act like you ain't stole no candy or nothing like that in the store or something like that. Get out there and steal the ball. Pulling your card, already. already pulling your card. Like, I already know. I was like, what? All right, cool. So I started to, you know, be a, a thievery. You know, I started yeah. thinking about getting out there trying to snatch the ball anywhere I can. And yeah. my career started to build. So I ended up being All-American my junior and senior year. And things just started to happen for me. And But believe, believe it or not, when I was getting drafted, coming out of Louisville, I wanted to play corner so bad. So I dropped all of this weight, and I wanted yeah. to show them that I could run. But I had no film at right. playing uh, the position. But the late Eugene uh, Parker, eventually was who I chose as my agent at that particular time, and he had some good guys, and he had me around prime a lot right. uh, during that particular time. And I was able to get well-groomed and he was telling me that I should be able to play the position, but that's how it all started coming out of Louisville and then getting drafted uh, by the Indianapolis Colts uh, in yeah, 1993. Man. Yeah, yeah. Talk about that experience, man. Obviously, uh, being drafted is a, a huge honor. Uh, being drafted to the Colts in the third round, 65th overall. Uh, first uh, kind of uh, mindset of, oh, I'm going to the National Football League. I'm going to play for the Colts. Uh, what were you thinking about when you first getting, you know, drafted to go to the league? What was that experience like for you? It was funny, man. Believe it or not, I was here, Shaq. I was in yep. Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, at that particular time, they took half of the guys that were supposed to go in the first round uh, to New York, and then mm -hmm. half of them was here mm -hmm. uh, in Atlanta at a place called Frankie Sports Bar back in the day. Yeah. And um, believe it or not, um, I was supposed to go in the first round. I was projected to go in the first round. It didn't happen because there was a lot of offensive linemen that year. It was a lot of good safeties, a lot of good DBs yeah. that actually went. So I fell to the uh, first round, but the experience was great. Uh, to, be, to be honest with you, I got picked up by the Rams and then it was traded. My pick was traded to the Colts. And I almost went to the same school. At that time, my brother, my older brother, was playing with the Rams. I got kind of mm. excited when I first found out when I got the phone call. And then found out. Yeah, I thought we would be playing <laughs> together. I, I was like, because me and my brother, we competed in everything. Yeah, and yeah, believe yeah. it or not, shot. I, I couldn't wait to try to hit that dude in his mouth because he talked so much. <laughs> I already know. I already know. Yeah. So we only faced off. We did only face off once, and that was in the preseason game. But to make a long story short, man, um, you know, it was a, it was a blessing getting drafted. Um, but I just didn't get. I wasn't satisfied, shock. I ain't gonna lie. Yep. You know, uh, I, I did have something to prove. I wanted to be the best at, at the position. And then, mm. you know, believe it or not, I, I, I took advantage of it. You know, so mm. a lot of times, you know, a lot of kids talk about, you know, being moved from different position. No matter what, when you get out there on the football field, you got you to gotta give everything that you got because you're not only playing for yourself, you're playing right. for all the other guys that, you, um, that you're playing with. And right. I, I took, that, took it on as a passion in that way. Man, it's crazy because I remember uh, uh, watching you. I remember watching your swag, watch your, you know, I was like, man, look at this DB out here. He got all this flavor about him, got all this flag about him. And then I go back, I look at the numbers in your years with the coach. You had 16 interceptions in four seasons. I mean, it's dudes now who who played four or five years who never get interceptions. You had 16 in your four seasons with the coach. And then you get traded to go to the Falcons. And what was that like? 
I mean, going to Atlanta, knew you wanted to be here, but over the next seven seasons, my man Big Play had 30 interceptions over the next seven seasons. Talk about that time in Atlanta, because I know there's a, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to ask you about the Super Bowl in a minute, but just talk about when you first got to Atlanta, what the expectations were, and obviously, I seen all the videos and all the stuff. You guys had characters on that, on those teams. But just talk about the experience once you first got to Atlanta. Well, you know, um, a lot of people don't know, um, you know, Shock, it was called a transition tag. Uh, that's when, you know, they had the franchise tag, you had the, uh, the transition tag, or right. you can be a total free agent. And, you know, honestly, I didn't even know I was going to be in Atlanta. This is the mm. crazy part. Uh, a lot of people don't know that. Um, so at that particular time, a transition tag, for those of you who don't know, I was able to go out and shop for the best offer. And then the Indianapolis Colts, who was the team that I was with, had the to first right of refusal to match yeah, it. So I went out there, you know, just looking for the money more than anything, no just doubt. to go let them know what my worth was. Right. And, you know, I was shocked that the Colts didn't want to do my deal anyway because of the numbers I was actually putting up. But it was a business and I understood that. So what happened was uh, the, I brought the contract back um, to the Indianapolis Colts, my agent did. And then they told me that it was too much. <laughs> they could not afford <laughs> me. So the team that I had selected, you know, was the, was the Atlanta Falcons. I had no idea. I was like, whoa, I didn't plan on being a, a Falcon or anything like that. But it just it just happened to happen. So yeah. I was like, all right, I got here and the Falcons wasn't doing too well. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I think that the, the virus hit the team a long time ago, and that's how bad they were losing. <laughs> it went bad, bro. He said the virus hit way back then. <laughs> it, was like, it was like saving Private Ryan around that. Oh, it, was just, it, wasn't, it wasn't the best of shape when uh, Dan Reeves brought me in, but he had a vision. Dan Reeves brought me in. He brought in a bunch of other different players, too. From I mean, half of the team was just, uh, you know, totally new. And so that, that year... Uh, we went, we started out one and eight. It was like amazing and kind of tough when I first got here in 97. Mm -hmm. But uh, from then on, you know, it was a guy by the name of Rich Brooks, who was my defense coordinator at that time. He said, I wasn't even playing up to par. And he was like, you know what, Ray, we brought you in here. And, you know, it's not just that we paid you a lot of money, but we also brought you here because we like your energy. We wanted that right. type of energy to spread. And we got a lot of good talent here and I need you to start playing up the par. So I looked in the mirror myself and what I can step up uh, within myself. And then we had a team meeting, you know, all the team leaders, Jamal Anderson at that time, Bob Whitfield, Chuck Smith, uh, you know, Eugene Roberts. We had a bunch of guys mm -hmm. that were leaders at that team. And we stood up and then, um, you know, everybody started playing up the part, to be honest with you. We went on like yeah. a seven game run. We, we ended up going seven and nine or something like that. Yeah. And then we didn't lose the very next year going back into that season and went on a straight run of 14 and two. And that's yeah. leading up to what you was going to be talking about with the Super Bowl. Um, but, you know, me being who I was doing my part, uh, you know, um, trying to be a pickoff specialist, trying to make big plays. It was contagious. We had a lot of guys that was actually put, playing their part. And when you get a lot of guys that play, they part. You can have a lot of different characters, a lot of different faiths, a lot of different colors, man. But it was one thing we started to learn. We started playing together and gelling at the right time yeah. and not having the injuries um, that would plague the football team at the right time. So right. we had a good run at that particular time, Shock. 99 obviously is a big year. Uh, if you're an Atlanta Falcons fan or you just a fan of football, I think a lot of people know about that year, 99. Uh, you talked about it. You guys went 14-2, to two, went to the Super Bowl. But I want to talk about before you went to the Super Bowl, you guys played against San Fran, who had Rice and Teo. Obviously, Steve Ooh. Young was the quarterback. Then you turn around, you play the Vikings, who were 15-1. and one. They were beating everybody by 20-plus at home. And they got, they got Moss. They got Chris Carter. They got Randall Cunningham. Talk about those battles that you had with those dudes. Like, Everybody look at Jerry Rice and say, yeah, he's a GOAT. Everybody look at Randy Moss. Everybody look at T.O., Chris Carter. I mean, but you lined up against these dudes. What was it like lined up against those dudes and playing 60, 65 plays and playing man, lockdown, in their face type of coverage with them? Man, Shock, I'll tell you what. I was having nightmares, and, and then <laughs> I was also being excited at the same time, man. Yeah. I mean – it was so emotional. It was just an emotional roller coaster. Here you are having an opportunity to go up against the GOAT. It wasn't my first time going up against Jerry, but whenever we played against him, I had the lineup on him. And if it switched and T.O. started to be that dog during that game, I would have to go cover him. I mean, right. whenever I had to prepare for these guys, not only did I have to literally think about, you know what, these are the best that the, the, the guys. I mean, it, it speaks for themselves. He's a Hall of Fame guy. 
uh, it was like, I can't, I can't express how much energy it actually took for me to actually start preparing for these guys because they were good. But I just knew how good I was too. And, um, you know, I, I say, if I go out there and win my fair share of the battles, then it's a good day for me. And that's right. what I end up going out to do. I'm going to let you know, Shock, I gave them hell. They knew it. They knew whenever I stepped <laughs> on the field, they was having the same thing. After talking to these boys later, they yeah. were having the same thing about me. So they knew it was gonna be a, it was gonna be some battles out there. But to make a long story short, when it came to it, I embraced it. It was fun. You know, going up against Randy Moss in the NFC Championship game, I knew he wasn't running across the middle. I knew he was running right. short. I mean, he, I knew he was going deep. So yeah. I was like, you know what? You can have these little short passes all right. day. That's not gonna beat us. But I see. I'm going to give you that. But I ain't going to sit up here and look at film and watch the horror flicks. It looked like it was a horror movie watching all of the tapes that Randy Moss was killing through that year. Right. I mean, he right. set the league on fire. And yeah. I was like, all right, it's all D-ball. So yeah. I, I wanted to take away the D-ball. But, you know, going against Chris Carter. And that game, again, in the, uh, in the NFC Championship game, beating San Fran, turning around and beating Minnesota. Then we happened to face the, the Denver Broncos, uh, and I embraced that one too because I did. I lined up on the top receivers every every game, mm -hmm. and believe it or not, sometimes we would uh, I would guard the opposite receiver of, like, say for instance, if it was uh, Chris Carter, mm -hmm. I take Chris Carter and we would double Randy Moss, or mm -hmm. we would flip it and I cover Randy Moss and we would just free up and just play regular. Gotcha. But you know, th these guys were dog shot. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm going to let you know right now, even though we won those games and we took Atlanta to a whole different level on a plateau, it was built in us. Uh, we Everybody played and did their part. I mean, we ran the ball well. I mean, we played good defense and stopping the run. I mean, we turned over the football. I mean, we did everything that was asked of us at the right time. And that's how we were able to, to jail and succeed. And it's kind of hard, man. That's why I respect the game so much, to jail at the right time. And yeah. You know, so we had we had good coaches, man, and good players. Ray, well, what um kind of from a corner standpoint, when you turn on the tape and you watching a Rice, you watching uh, a To, you watching a Randy Moss, what are some of the things that you looked at to get yourself prepared and ready to go? Because I think a lot of people would say, how does a guy play against somebody like that and be successful? Like, what are some of the things that you had to do to get yourself prepared for those big time, you know, one on one matchups in a ball game? Well, you knew how athletic they were. I mean, yeah. I knew just about every route that they were going to run when they sort of like lined up. Uh, okay. I had a photographic memory just by studying tape. Uh, I sort of had to play the game of looking at alignment and mm. looking at the plays. So if I saw a certain set, I knew the top three routes that actually came out of those plays, which sort of like helped me out. Um, right. Then, of course, they had tape on me as well. So, <laughs> it, it was, so I had to switch it up. I mean, sometimes I would get up in their face and I would press them. Sometimes I was playing a technique which we call press bail. Yeah. Uh, so then sometimes I was playing off and I was probably at that particular time during my era, one of the best off players that played the game because the quarterback was sort of up under the snap a lot. And I used to yeah. be able to read a three step, five step and seven step drop. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so it, it added to the attributes by me switching everything around and that's what sort of made myself up. But the key was, not just playing, you know, studying the tape. I also had to play against the quarterback and try mm. to play games with mind games with you guys because you guys would look and y'all will see what kind of coverage we are with you. Ray saw Boone, let me high. tell you something. They told us from day one as QB, they said, guess what? Conus lie. That's what they told us, point blank. <laughs> Conus lie. They never going to be where they look at pre-snap. So that cone out there standing six, seven yards off, Snapping the football, he's not going to be at six to seven yards. So that's the number one thing that we learned as quarterbacks is you do lie. So we can't look at what y'all doing to try to figure out what coverage it is. <laughs> that's that's fact shot. Everything you see, man, was like a ghost move for, for everything. No doubt. Was, <laughs> no doubt. Who, who, you know, who, okay. who was the toughest guy to cover uh, during your time? Because obviously, I mean, we just mentioned those four, but there were tons of other dudes that you played against. Who was the toughest guy? Uh, I would say technically that you had to face uh, throughout your career. You know, um, you know, uh, Terrence Mathis would get mad at me if I don't least mention his name. But I tell you what, uh, it was you know when I was playing with the coach Marvin Harrison, I mm. was uh, having to practice up against that dude and. Yeah. I knew what he was going to deliver, you know, once I even went to another team and help, hopefully I never really have to see him that much, but only a couple <laughs> of times, but yeah. he used to give, he get fit. Those guys that actually were fast, yeah. 
yeah. it wasn't so much of the big guys uh, as much. You know, the big guys would throw you around, um, you know, like the T.O.s, the Randy Moss, the Chris Carters, the Michael Irvins of yeah. those, that group. But then you start having to ship your guys, you know, the Isaac Bruce's, the Terry Holtz. Mm. I mean, uh, I mean, you had the Marvin Harrison's. I can just go. It was a, go, Jimmy Smith's. I, the list right. can go on. I mean, yeah. it go on and on. And each week it was like, dang, you don't even get a breather. They come you another know, dude. So, yeah. They come another dude. So they all <laughs> had their own different attributes. And sometimes, you know, some guys I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to play this guy. I'm going to play I'm gonna play him uh, in a way where I can be a little bit more aggressive. This one, I have to be a little bit more passive because they got better mm. blocking protection. This quarterback right here, you know, he can look off and throw the ball. It was so many different things that played into effect. So if I have to answer that shot. You know, if I had to just pick one, if mm -hmm. I did have to pick one out of all of those guys, man, I'm going to be honest with you. It would have been Isaac Bruce. Man, that dude used to have some battles, dog. I, I ain't going to lie. I mean, it was, it just wasn't fair. I hated when they had Max <laughs> Patek. It's like they had Max Patek, bro. Max he got Patek all day. And two-man routes, and they running post-corner posters all day. Oh, I mean, it, was, it just it wasn't fair. I was mad. Yeah. Our defensive line <laughs> wasn't getting to that quarterback, dog. I'm yeah. like, man, I, I know I, I ain't got time to be out here. I can give you three. I right. can give you two sometimes, but if they right. out there four, five, six, seven seconds, oh man, you can forget about it. Forget These boys was eating. They oh eating. man. So we talked about <laughs> talked about San Fran, talked about obviously the Vikings, and then you get the Super Bowl 33, and all the talk of Super Bowl 33 is Ray Boo and old Shannon Sharp. <laughs> all the conversation, y'all going back and forth. Bro, talk yeah. about talk about how how, how that got started because you called him <laughs> ugly, you called him Mr. Ed. He said you had on eyeliner and lipstick, and that's just what he heard. Like, I mean, that's what y'all went back and forth uh, throughout the entire time. What was that? Yeah. What was that like? What was that about? Like, was it fun or was you was like dead serious with it? No, man. See, a lot of people didn't know me and Shannon. We still cool to this day, man. That's yeah, my yeah. dog. That's my <laughs> dog. And it's so funny. It, like, you know, they call it Joan and cracking jokes. And you no know, doubt. No uh, you doubt. know how it was just getting on the plane. You know, if you get yeah. on the plane, sometimes shocking. And you know, they was just cracking jokes on your suits. You know, you're yeah. walking through yeah. and trying to see what kind of suits that's, you got. That's, on norm, that's normal everyday. <laughs> that's normal everyday Joan right there. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So we took it to a whole different level. It was two weeks before the Super Bowl. We got tired of talking about football. Mm -hmm. And how it really all started was Shannon was talking about Eugene Robinson, the safety, and Will White. You know, uh -huh. he was talking about both of our safeties. And yeah, so they yeah, were yeah. talking about would they be able to cover him. Right. And he was getting on them. And he called them. How was you going to have – how are you going to have – I'm sorry. Hold on. Oh, you good. How you going to – my son called. How you going to have uh, uh, Moses – how you going to have Moses and Elijah <laughs> from the Bible <laughs> – trying to cover me <laughs> yeah, and they was oh. not fighting back they was not fighting back and i mean eugene was saying nothing so i was like you know what man we're gonna i'm, I'm gonna hit up shannon we're gonna we're gonna turn this up jonah session so i would oh, joke man. on shannon he would turn yeah. around the next day he'd joke on me yeah. and it was some good we was going back and forth a lot of people thought we had bad blood and then they sort of tried to make it seem like i was sort of like the bad guy in the end because i ended up making the hit on him during the game, yeah. and he hurt his knee. <laughs> yeah, and, I was, and then they was like, they don't like it. I got yeah. he won the game, but I got the last laugh. And they was just trying to, you know, you know how the media is. No doubt, they not no know doubt. back then, and not knowing that me and him were best friends, and we sitting here at the Pro Bowl, sitting together, and we having a big joining session. Now we sitting at the ah. Pro Bowl, and we sitting at the cabana, and we got everybody joining in and cracking on everybody. So, oh man, that's, that's my dude, man. That's man, my that's dude. He, he that's cool people. though, because I I think a lot of people don't understand like this happens every. Every day in the locker room, no matter uh, who it is, what you got going on, it's just uh, how it go down in the NFL locker room. Uh, Ray, before we let you get out of here, man, I know you got some things to do, but uh, mm -hmm. I want you to uh, obviously let people know what you got going on, talk about your family, talk about your boys and your daughter. Um, what do the grandkids call you? You know, what what, <laughs> what else is Ray Boo doing these days and, uh, uh, and how the family doing? Family doing well, man. Um, you know, what I'm doing is training my boys right now. Um, one is a, a wide receiver. And the other one I just finished telling you about, Baylon, he's heading out to La Tech this upcoming year. So I've been taking the time and, and training them. Uh, you know, they train out of a facility called DSA Training down here in Atlanta. Right. One of the best training facilities around. But, uh, you know, so that's um, besides doing that, playing golf, man, and taking care of my kids and grandkids. Yeah. Uh, so I have four grandkids now. Uh, two boys and two girls, and they call me Poppy. 
That's poppy. my, that's my, they call me poppy. poppy, dog. And I used to talk about those parents, shock. I used to talk yeah. about them grandparents, man, they were young, they didn't even yeah. reach 50 yet. Yeah. And, and, and I, now I'm one of them. I'm hey, like, now you one of them. They don't call <laughs> you big play no more, they call you poppy. <laughs> exactly, dog. They Ray Boo, Ray Boo. Uh, yeah. Last thing, who was, uh, the best teammate you had. I, I'm sure there were two or three, or uh, who were the guys that were the, the biggest characters uh, throughout your, your your career? Man, we had a bunch of characters, man. I mean, yeah. Bob Whitfield is a funny character. That dude is the funniest, one of the funniest no dudes ever no known doubt. to man. Jamal, Jamal Anderson, that dude was a total character. <laughs> Chuck Smith was a character. I mean, Eugene Robinson was a character. I mean, it was a bunch of guys, man. I mean, we yeah. got along so well, man. I can't really... Point point and say, okay, it was gonna be one of those guys, yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah. even when Peerless Price even jumped in the scene, uh, you know, later on. But you know, yeah. I got I had a lot of good relationships. Chuck, Chuck, Chuck cool. Smith, Terrence Mathis, Tony Martin. I can go down the list, man. Cool, cool. You know, well, I don't want to just name one. I feel you. I feel you. Cause then the boys be like, "Oh, you ain't holler tell your boy." I feel you, but uh, but I got you, Shock. You right now. You the number one on the list, dog. You called me, <laughs> me and you, dog. Let's get on oh, that golf course. What we gonna do? You my dog. You my dog, man. Hey, man. We appreciate you joining us here on the Triple Threat Pod, man. Taking a little time, reminiscing a little bit for us. I know a lot of fans are, are really get a kick out of uh, hearing you, hearing some of the stories, and hear some of the stuff you had to overcome. From wide receiver to two-time Pro Bowl, all American. I mean, everybody did it all. I mean, you got 30 interceptions uh, in that while he's with the Falcons. Another one with Oakland and finished that career with 47 interceptions, man. Uh, big props to you on a, a great career, man. Appreciate you taking the time here on the Triple Threat Podcast. For my man, Big Play Ray, better known as Big Poppy. <laughs> I let you, bro. Appreciate you. Mike, I, I appreciate Shock. Appreciate you, though. One. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.